We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Today I have a message entitled, Conscience Resurrected. We don't talk much today about conscience. Our, our conscience, though, you've heard the phrase, let your conscience be your guide. I thought about that, and I thought that's a good way to live if. And I want to talk about that if part today. I want to talk about a man by the name of King Herod. I want to take you to his palace that's overlooking the Mediterranean, the Siberian palace. It's his birthday. He's having a huge party. All of the important men and women from all the other kingdoms are there. The, hat, the palace has been beautified with every kind of decoration. I mean, the greatest of bands are playing. I mean, he's got all kinds of eats and all kinds of things going on and this place is packed out. The palace is thumping. It's a party. It's my birthday kind of thing. It's going on. I mean, it's happening. And in the middle of all this, he's brought a message now what's going on outside is Jesus is really beginning to peak in his ministry. I mean the blind are seeing, lame walking, mute talking, dead coming back to life, leprosies are being healed. I mean it's amazing what Jesus is doing in his ministry. King Herod's having a party and all of a sudden he gets some news and the news startles him. The news makes him stop and break out in a sweat because he's asked this question. Have you heard about Jesus? <laughs> he feels nauseated in his stomach. All of a sudden he feels faint. Look at Mark 6, 16. I mean, in the middle of all the partying, here's what happens. When Herod heard this, about Jesus, here's what he said. John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. All of a sudden, his conscience was resurrected. Because you see, before this, there was a man by the name of John the Baptist. We know about him. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And he had been talking with King Herod. King Herod had arrested him. But King Herod was intrigued by John the Baptist. Have you ever had someone you, you love talking to because they kind of meet with you on the same intellectual level? They kind of start think, saying things that make you stop and think? Well, John the Baptist, we know that he was anointed by God to be the forerunner. And he began to talk to King Herod. Now... The news was not good for King Herod. John the Baptist, I mean, this guy's bold. He's standing in front of the king and he says, Hey, King Herod, the lifestyle you're living is wrong. Come on, come on. Yeah. Think about it. 
preaching like that anymore, do we? We got a whole lot of love going on, but not a whole lot of, hey, the lifestyle you're living's wrong. You see, what happened was King Herod married his brother's sister. That's not right. He's living in sin. And John the Baptist tells him that. And yet the king is he's like, wow, this guy's pretty awesome because he tells me the truth. Even though I'm the king, he speaks to me and he tells me the truth. And I know what he's saying is right. I really can't argue with that. Man, today in, in a lot of our churches, whenever pastors preach truth, and all of a sudden it gets right into your crib, gets right into your party, right into your house. People today, they don't like the conversation. They don't like the truth because it bothers their conscience. We don't want our conscience bothered. We want to go to church and everybody make us happy. John the Baptist wasn't making Herod happy, but Herod didn't do anything about it. And so now he's got a party going on at his house and it's at a frenzy and all of a sudden somebody goes, hey, have you heard about Jesus? What? His response was, John the Baptist that I beheaded is alive? you got to see what happened was in the middle of the party going on and all this stuff happening, he made a mistake. He got kind of full of himself and he's, his, his daughter started dancing, and man, that really got everybody all pumped up, and he got caught up in the moment, and he said, hey, anything you want, I'll give it to you. Can you imagine his friends going, what, are you crazy? She's going to ask for Maseratis. She's going to ask for Dolce Cabana. She's going to ask for all the, and he said, hey, anything you want, baby, it's yours. I'm in a given mood tonight. It's my party. It's my birthday. She says, hold on just a minute. She goes over, talks to Herodias. Hey, Dad said I can have anything I want. What should I ask him for? She says this, ask him for John the Baptist's head on a platter. See, she couldn't stand John the Baptist because he called her out. He called her out in the middle of her lifestyle of sin. She did not like that. Her response was, his head on the platter. She goes back over here. Hey! He goes, hey, what do you want, baby? Anything you want, I'll give it to you. She goes, hey, how about John the Baptist's head on the platter? What? I didn't think you'd ask for that. I, I thought you'd ask for some diamonds or some gold or a new car, a new chariot, whatever. No, I want his head on the platter. Because he was in such a position, everybody heard it. He could not back down. So he orders them to go. John the Baptist is in, in prison. And the Bible says that he was intrigued by John the Baptist. He had a soft spot in his heart for him. But he had him beheaded. They brought John the Baptist's head back into the party on a platter. <sighs> well, i got to tell you, that rejuvenated the excitement. That rejuvenated the party. But the problem happens 
is now all of a sudden he hears something about Jesus. And what does his mind go back to? Not Jesus. John the Baptist. He had a problem with his conscience. It bothered him that he had him beheaded. His thinking gets all messed up. There is a resurrection of his conscience. All of us today, every one of us, has a conscience. We all have a conscience. It, it's, it's a gift from God, and it helps us in life because if we have a really clear conscience, it will give us warning signs. Bells go off. Whistles start blowing when we begin to think about or do something we should not do. All of a sudden your conscience kicks in and goes, boom, boom, whoa, whoa, don't, stop, wait a minute, don't do this. It's wrong. It's not a part of the lifestyle you should be putting into your life. Woo, stop, don't do it. It's a gift from God. The problem is letting your conscience be your God is we've got to have a good working conscience. It's got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I believe the Word of God declares, we know this to be true, that consciences can get seared. They can get hardened. They can become tough. Your conscience can condemn you. And how many know there's no condemnation in Christ? None. But today we get conviction confused with condemnation. There will never be condemnation in this church. There will never be condemnation from this pulpit. There will never be condemnation from anybody who comes to our church and loves God. But there should be conviction. Conviction. King Herod was convicted. That's why he was intrigued. He says, you know what? You're telling me the truth. I don't like it, but I'm convicted by it. The other response was his brother's wife that he's now married to. She was not convicted. She felt mad, enraged, condemned, and I'm going to destroy him. Two people, two different responses. Today with our conscience, we've got to be uh, understanding it has to be cleared, not seared. It has to be able to hear the voice of God, a still small voice, and respond to it. It has to commend us, not condemn us. In the Urban Dictionary, the word conscience says this. It's the bad part of the brain. It warns us only if we're going to do something bad. It doesn't say, hey, don't do something good. It only says, don't do something bad. This word approtience means that it's that feeling. Everybody have that feeling, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for it. I've got my conscience saying, don't, 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 but I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to go for it whenever, wherever, whatever. Just going to all in. We've all been in those moments of decision, right? To where our conscience is telling us, no, 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 no. Don't do this. Don't step across that line. Don't make this decision. And then there's something inside of us. I'm going to go for it. I'm going for it. I'm going in, all in. Yeah. 
We either pay attention to our conscience or we don't. We can either have a good conscience that's sensitive to God's word, that's tuned in to his truth, or we have a conscience that's been seared. And listen, if it's been seared and tough, it cannot be your God because it's going to give you wrong information. It's going to lead you into places that you should not be. Every weekend, we all have decisions to make. All of us. Am I going to go to church? Am I going out and partying? Am I going to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Be filled with something else? Am I going to do what's right? Do what's wrong? Am I going to keep my dating relationship in the right place or I'm going to go in the wrong places? Am I going to keep my marriage in the right place, keep it in the wrong places? All of our relationships... We have these lines we shouldn't cross. And I'm whatever, whenever, what I'm going to go for. It. No, 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 maybe not. You see, we need to understand Scripture. Sometimes we cannot see the plank in our own eye because we're looking at everybody else's splinters. Hey, wait a minute. I'm better than you. I'm not as bad as you. I'm living better than him. Not bad as her. I told you I want you to love me afterwards. Because we still must have convictions. We need a culture that has convictions. No condemnations. But there should be lines in every one of our lives that we just don't cross. There should be lines. We need to be conscious of your conscience. Are we today? I don't know. I'm speaking to a young generation over here because you know what? They have a lot of peer pressures today. Yeah. It's our 40th anniversary today and, and you know, we, we kept things pretty good. Dated for four and a half years. We were both virgins when we got married because of our convictions. We, we could have had lines that we crossed in dating relationship. But there were times she told me, hey, boy, you need to go home. <laughs> it's just 530. <laughs> it's not even dark yet. I went home. There were nights I told her, hey, I need to go home. Because we wanted our wedding day to be the best day of our life. We don't talk about those convictions. We need to. Because we need to have a cleared conscience. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. You see, God has set eternity in our hearts. Last night we went to bed. I should have set an alarm, but I didn't. I woke up six minutes before the alarm should have gone off. Why? Because I was conscious that I need to get up at a certain time. I wonder today, what are we doing with our conscience? Are we setting it to the Word of God that when we get close to that line, all of a sudden the alarms go off, boo, 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 boo. Are we going, you know what, I'm just not going to set it. I just trust myself to, to wake up and not do something I shouldn't do. I should have set the alarm. I was glad I woke up. Wouldn't it have been horrible to get to church and the pastor's still sleeping? 
do that on Sunday morning. I come to church and you're sleeping at home. Some of you sleep in here. I told somebody, hey, if you can get some good sleep in church, go for it. At least I'm good for something. But no, we, we have our consciences that have been set sometimes not to the word of God, but have been set to what culture says is right and what is wrong. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of music out there. I love music. There's a lot of music out there that will set your conscience to a place to where it's way beyond the line of what the word of God says. I'm not going to look to the world to set my conscience to. I want to listen to God. Lord, what are your alarm patterns? What are the things in my life to where I should have an alarm going up? Don't, don't, don't. Gossiping, backbiting, envy, strife. I've always said the enemy will never hurt the church from the outside in. The enemy will always hurt the church from the inside out. We've got to let our consciences get clear today. Conscience must be subject to the Holy Spirit. If it's not subject to the Holy Spirit, don't let it be your guide. Our conscience. 32 times conscience is mentioned in the Bible. In the original language, it's pronounced and makes this, this phrase. Soon a day sees. Your conscience means soon a day sees. Which means this. That... When you have a clear conscience, you can see completely. You can understand fully and be fully informed before you make the decision. So when you have a clear conscience, you can see what the truth is, what the ramifications are before you make the decision. I have a picture in my office of me and Sandy in a Jeep and both of our hands are thrown up. What you don't see is the reason why I did that was just past that moment. It is called Corkscrew Pass in Colorado. And it is straight down. And I have taken, we stopped, I got my foot on the gas, we lifted our hands up. Whatever, whenever, what? Let's go. We're going for it. Hit the gas. It's fun. I wasn't listening to my conscience. And somehow, God helped us to survive despite our decisions. And isn't that the mercy and grace of God? Sometimes we've all gotten to a point in our life where we should have put the brakes on and we, put, we forwarded the gas. Thank God for mercy and grace. Thank God for his wisdom when ours isn't good. He has good wisdom. And that's what I'm talking about there. We, we, we've got to have a clear conscience. It's like having really, really good eyesight. I, I've gotten to be 58. I need glasses. Every now and then, guess what I have to do to my glasses? Take them off and wipe them off. I've got to get them clean. Because if I don't, they get smudges on them, they get little things, and, it, and it, it messes up my vision. I have found the same thing to be true with my conscience. I've got to get into the presence of God and get on my face before God so that He can wash my conscience. Because it can become cloudy. It, it can get to where I'm not seeing things fully and completely and correctly. 
All of a sudden, I'll begin to, to question the Word of God and go, what is that really for today? Come on. That's My dad always told me, if you have to rationalize with God, you're wrong. Right. <laughs> you ever had to try to convince God that something wrong was right? Yeah. If you have to start this rationalization with God, but God, it can't be that bad. Come on. Listen. They're doing it. Why can't the pastor do it? I know I'm the pastor. But why am I held to a higher standard? We all start trying to rationalize things that we want to do. Or maybe things in our lives that, that maybe doesn't quite line up with the Word of God. Because it'll be okay. It'll be alright. And the splinter gets bigger and bigger. So all of a sudden, really now, our conscience is not really working because we really can't see anymore what the truth is. All we can see is what society says is the truth. And I've got to tell you, society has always been in direct opposition of the Word of God. Right. Even when Jesus was on this earth, do you know when He talked to the church people, how He preached? Listen, it's in the Word. When Jesus was talking to the sinners, He had nothing but love and soft language and and, and just grace and mercy. Go and sin no more. I love you. But don't keep living like this. I love you. I don't like the sin. I love you. But go and sin no more. You're a child of God. But then when he talked to those Pharisees and Sadducees who were people who went to church every Sunday. He talked like this. You brood of vipers. Bunch of hypocrites. You whitened sepulchers? I mean, that's not very kind of words. I don't want a pastor like that. I love you. But when Jesus was talking to the leaders who went to church every Sunday, I mean, he used harsh language because he was trying to bring back convictions. He wanted their eyes to be open. Look at Acts 24, 16. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear. Before God and man. I strive how? Always. I'm constantly getting it cleaned. Constantly wiping off my conscience. Why? Before God and before man. Wow. Is your conscience cleared or seared? I have found that if you keep on dirty glasses long enough, then begin to realize I'm not really paying attention to the dirty glasses. I get used to it. How many have had a pair of glasses for a very long? Raise your hand. This is all kind of new to me in the last couple of years or so. This is the first pair of glasses I've ever had. And I don't know how it happened. But I have a little speck right there. And it's in the glass. It's a little imperfection. I'm sure it happened somehow I did it, but it won't wipe off. I can't clean it off, but when I put my glasses on, at first, that was all I could see. <laughs> Every, you know what I'm talking about if you got glasses. It's all you can see. That little dot. You got all the rest of it clear. That little dot. Driving nuts. But now it's been on there for quite a while because I'm too stingy to get another pair. 
Because I'm thinking it's just one little dot. The rest of it is good. I can live with it. It's just one little dot. And so now you know what I've done? I don't pay attention to it anymore. I've learned how to get my eyesight not to focus on that. And I'm telling you truth today. We can live in such a way to where our conscience no longer focuses on the impurities and the imperfections. We just look past it. We don't even see it anymore. We don't even get bothered by it anymore. Because we've learned how. And I got to tell you, I got saved at the age of 11. And God has always been working on me. He's always working on me. Chiseling more of my flesh out of my life so that more of Him can be here. John said it this way, I must decrease that Christ might increase. There's only so much room. Either you're taking up the space or God's taking up the space. You both can't have equal space. King Herod had to follow through because he was in such a frenzied environment. If he had been just by himself and she had come and it was just him and her, uh, how, uh, give me John the Baptist head on the platter. He probably said, no, baby. Uh-oh. That guy, I'm intrigued by him. There's something about him. I don't know what it is yet. I'm going to figure it out. But there's something about the way he talks. And there's something about the way he thinks that I just can't wrap my head around. And I believe John the Baptist would have lived longer. Because here's what you also have to understand. John the Baptist was in that prison. He was beheaded. There was another brother in the same prison by the name of Simon Peter. Guess what happened to him? God helped him get out. And as a pastor, somewhat of a theologian, God, if I'm John the Baptist, I'm going to be a little ticked. Why didn't you send an angel, slap me around, and get me out of there before I was beheaded? Like he did Simon Peter. Don't you love me? Well, we know how much God loved John the Baptist. He was a forerunner. We know how much he loved Simon Peter. And some of us today, some of us today, we, we, we have same situations, different outcomes. Have you ever asked God why? I have. But God has this whole thing in his place. My job is not to figure all that out. My job is to keep my conscience clear. To have a clear conscience before God and man. To see things completely. To be fully informed before I make the decision. Before. So that I hear the alarms. 
my conscience set. Here's the parameters of a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. And there are the boundaries. I don't want to cross it. It's tempting. That's why it's called temptation. The grass does look greener over there, but it's not. The life looks like it's more fun over there, but it's not. Because everything that God set up for us was to give us a wonderful life here. What greater gift than to go to bed at night with a clear Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.